Well, behind me, I just want to grab your attention because behind me is an easel and a white board, as you can see. <clears throat> and over the next few weeks and a couple of half months, we're going to be painting a picture. And I hope at the end of our time, you'll see the picture on the canvas. Because I'm not going to touch that, but I'm going to paint. And I'm going to paint through the living word. And each scripture is a piece of a puzzle. And at the end of our time, there will be a fully fledged picture on that canvas for those who have ears to hear and eyes to see what I'm going to say over the next two and a half months along with the panel and other people. And so this will be here and in there every service, but it will remain blank. And my hope from the bottom of my heart is at the end of our time together, we will all see the exact same picture. You may describe it differently. You may have your own words for it, but at the end of the day, we have all seen the macro eternal purpose of God because the Holy Spirit and you and I have painted it together. Those who have eyes to see, see in the unseen realm. And they see what is concealed for them in the unsealed realm. And Jesus, Holy Spirit God, has given us his spirit for us to be able to hear and see the unseen realm, correct? If you're tracking me on Facebook, I put a post up and I ask this question, do we agree that God is a supernatural God? And so far, everyone has come back saying yes, which is a good answer. <laughs> but here's the statement. If God is a supernatural God, then why do we think we can know him through natural means? If he is a supernatural God, and so far the 18 people that have replied said yes, and you just all agreed with me, said yes, mentally, then if God is a supernatural God, why do we try to understand him through natural means? That really makes no logical sense, does it? To try and understand a spiritual God, a supernatural God, who's outside of our realm through our own ability. So God has to give us his spirit, doesn't he? How well do you actually know the Holy Spirit? I don't mean as a feeling. I don't mean he came upon you one day and you felt warm, as good as that is. I mean, how well do you know him as a person? How well do you know him as your teacher? The one who is engraving the living word on your heart so you will be able to see at the end of this time this picture in the Spirit. How familiar are you with him? Because he is a person, not a force. He is a person. And you can grieve and you can offend him through living from the flesh. You can grieve the Holy Spirit who's here today to do a work in you because you say no in unbelief. You can grieve him. Are you aware of that? He will leave. If you say you're not wanted here, he will leave because he's a gentleman. And he's here to partner with us to open up a realm called the kingdom of God. 
which we as a whole as the church, I'm not sure we've done that great a job at actually communicating what it really is. Certainly that's my experience in the last 11 years of hearing people talk about the kingdom. It tends to be very much about function rather than actually becoming someone who sure is able to demonstrate a reality but not before they really become somebody. And then about another realm back here on earth called a millennial kingdom which Jesus is actually going to establish his literal physical governmental rule on earth. And he's looking for a church to reign with him in that and to govern in that time. But it requires a kind of people. It's not any person. And this is what we're going to look at over the few coming weeks. We all got one of these, eh? This is also online, so if you happen to forget it one Sunday and you bring your phone, you can tap it online as well. But I would encourage you to make notes like I have because you write these things through the Holy Spirit and he's always speaking, so you're always adding. He's never not speaking. He's never not sharing to those who are thirsty and hungry for what he has to say. See, he responds to the hunger and the thirst of what's coming out of my heart. He says, if you don't want anything, I won't share anything. If you're too busy living for you, then I won't share. But if you're hungry and you're thirsty for me, I will share. So will you come and sit at my feet and allow me to teach you all things? Or are you just going to live your life here on earth defined by your way and at the end of the day miss out on what I had for you now in the future? It's your choice. And you and I are responsible for our own choices. I'm not ultimately responsible for your choice. I'm not responsible ultimately for my children or my wife or you as a person who's an elder on staff. I'm not ultimately responsible for you. You are. All I can do, all we can do is deliver the food and then leave it at the table and all those who want to partake will and those who won't, won't. And that's all our individual choices and we all have been given the freedom in that. And that's why there's no pressure to have to perform to do an outcome to get people to become something because that's not our role, it's not my role, it's his role. And so like it says in Mark, we can speak the word and then go and lie down and have a sleep knowing that it's the Spirit's job to bring that word alive in you and I. It's so cool when you live from that place as a leader because that's not the place so many leaders live from. They somehow think it's their role that they need to raise up a church and feed the church and do all this work and get everybody mobilised and motivated and doing this stuff. Man, I was set free of that 11 years ago. It was the greatest day I got set free from that demonic reality. It's your role. It's your responsibility to motivate you. Not mine, yours. It's your responsibility to get hungry with the Lord, not mine. I'm a brother that's going to walk beside you to help you, but don't look to me to be the one that actually do something. It's you and him. That's when it really works. And so my hope is that we are all going to see what he says is. And then we're going to live from not towards, because at the moment we're living towards it because we might not be able to see it, but then when you see it, you live from it, reverse engineering. You're able to live from the reality. 
not towards it. You see, the challenge is the early church lived from what they saw, not towards. They were not walking blindly as a whole. They started out in trust, and as they walked out in trust, not faith because faith sees, as they step out in trust, which I'm asking most of you to do today, step out in trust, allow yourself to hear something that may challenge you and what you think you know. Now, that's just today. There's so much in here that's probably going to challenge our mindsets. I'm just warning you now. If you think all there is is just getting your little butt saved, and that's it, and that's all God has for you, and there's no judgment for you of what you've done with your life at the end of it, then you're going to be awakened to that reality today and over the coming weeks. You're going to realize that your life was given not for your own. You're going to realize your life was given to lay it down to glorify the Father. You're going to realize God gave you life that you would glorify him, not yourself. You're going to realize your life is not your own. And if it is your own, you have to lose it. If you want to partake of everything that the Father has for you now in the future, the only way into what you're going to hear over two and a half months is if you have lost your life. Okay? These are all the disclaimers. You can't hang on to your life and try and hang on to that. You have to lay hold of all that Christ has for you, which means two hands, which means you have to let go of you. That's the only way in. You can flirt with it. You can play with it. You can act with it, but you will never enter into him if you live that type of life. This is why we need him, and apart from him, we can do nothing. So don't even try to understand what I'm about to say today or, to, or next Sunday or over two and a half months if you haven't got revelation. If you have got revelation, you'll be doing a dance. You'll be going, preach it, Greg. Preach it, Greg. The church needs to hear this, Greg. Preach, preach. I'm a yes and amen with you. Now, this is going to be really hard because the natural way of man is to understand right here. This is a stronghold for man. And it needs to be laid down. So don't even try because your head is going to hurt. And I'll guarantee you at the end of this time, we will not be one with one another. And your picture may not even be or it will be very distorted from what is said. So don't even try to live from the mind. Can we all agree that the only way to know God is by the Spirit Revealing him in us. Yes, that will be challenged. Your yes will be challenged, okay? It's one thing to say yes from the head. It's another thing to say yes from the heart. So if you fully believe what you just said, you will not try to understand in your mind, will you? If you've been arrested, because it's about being arrested, isn't it? It's not about going mentally, yeah, I agree with the principle. It's about knowing the way of a person, because Jesus is the way, is he not? If you know the way, you no longer operate the false way, correct? Well, that means that's got to hit your heart, not your head. So if you truly believe in what you just said yes to, you'll never try to understand in your mind until the Holy Spirit writes it on your heart. It takes all of our strength away. We don't like that. But I've studied and I've got doctorates, and I can tell you Hebrew and Greek and this and that. I go, good on you. 
Has it changed your life? And can you demonstrate Christ-like life? Because that's the call. That is good knowledge. But if it's not revealed knowledge, it's just informational knowledge. And it doesn't enable you to live a life. You just have information that you can tell people about, but you can't live as Christ. It's the greatest hoodwink in the body of Christ to think it comes through the mind and we study principles and languages and cultures and history and we miss the person in the whole thing. Which means we never come into the life of the person because every hidden treasure and wisdom is contained in the person and it's eternal food, not temporal, because I can't access it any other way through the divine way through the Spirit which leaves us all in the same place. You see, you don't elevate man when you realize we are all in the same place. You elevate who? The Spirit. He is the teacher of the church, not me, not you. So now we're all positioned, not looking at the man, but we're looking to the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is here. If you know him, he's in you, and he wants to teach you from the inside out. He's in you to write the Word of God on your heart and your mind from the inside. See, reverse engineering. Not outside in, inside out. Jesus, if you polish the outer, sorry, the inner, the outer will just take care of itself. I can already see some people looking at me like, yeah, it's going to challenge, man. You're going to be tested. Test yourself to see if you're in Christ or whether you're just covered by Christ. Not for the purpose of pulling you down, for the purpose of building you up. For the purpose of building you up to a standard called faith that you can live by. Why? So then you can glorify the Father who is in heaven with the life he's given you, which you have laid down to see his kingdom come, not yours. But once again, we have to lose our entire lives, guys. All your dreams, all your plans, all the things, the goals have to be surrendered and given over. And then let him define it all. He might say to you, yeah, that's a great goal that you can go. But he may say, no, that's just purely you. And that's going to keep you bound up and living for you when I came to release you from you and live for me. This is intense. And it's going to be an intense time. I'm just forewarning you now. But an awesome one. And I pray, and I've been praying and asking that he would awaken us in our hearts and our minds to be so thirsty that we will be here at night. We will be here next Sunday morning. We will be there at night and morning and night and morning and night. It'll be like this tonight. Too many people for the cafe, so we have to move in here. Why? Because we are hungry and thirsty for a reality that is going to be declared out of the mouth of some people. And my prayer is that you wouldn't just go, oh, that's the word of whoever, but it's the word of God. 2 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 2, 13, 14, coming out of the mouth of a man or a woman, and it's food for you. So I just want to read you this in John 16, which isn't in your notes, but you can put it in your notes. And this is Jesus talking to his disciples. And the cool thing is we're not in a hurry to get through anything. So if I only cover one passage today, that's all he wanted to say. 
And I want to leave time for discussion because we're going to have discussion at tables. Is that cool? So nobody running away. You can do if you want. It's fine. John 16 verse 12. This is Jesus. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Interesting, isn't it? Jesus talking to his disciples. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, everyone say spirit of truth. That's who lives in you if you have the Holy Spirit living in you. You have the spirit of truth in you to teach you all things. When he comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. See the pattern? The Holy Spirit will not speak anything but the Father's truth. I better not be speaking anything but the Father's truth if I want to flow in the pattern of heaven. Spirit, 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 spirit. There can't be any flesh in there, right? Because as soon as you throw flesh in there, you change the dynamic of the whole thing. And the flesh isn't going to do us any good today. If I preach flesh, that ain't going to change you. It might tickle your intellect, but it won't change you. You need a spiritual food, which is spiritual food, to change you. The Holy Spirit knows this, Jesus knows this, the Father knows this. So it's like a relay. Jesus came preaching his Father's truth. He said, if you do my Father's truth, you'll know it's of my Father. It's not my truth. I'm not making it up. He's already written it before the foundations of the earth. I'm just relaying it to you. So then he sends the Holy Spirit who does exactly the same thing. It's a relay. And then he relays what Jesus has said. You see, it's the spoken, written, spoken, written word. It's spoken. In the beginning, God spoke. Then man heard the word, wrote it down. Jesus came along and said, right, what's written, I speak. And then man, Holy Spirit, so he comes along and writes it on your heart. It's a continuous process of spoken, written, spoken, written, spoken, written. So then a man gets it written on his heart, so then he speaks. And the Holy Spirit's here today to write it on your heart. The place of understanding, not your mind. Don't be led astray in your mind from the simplicity and the purity of a devotion to the Christ. Paul warned the Corinthian church about that. 2 Corinthians 11.3 I'm afraid you've been led astray in your minds that the enemy has got you back into a reality that that God set you free from and you're coming now back around trying to come into life through the very thing you can't, called your intellect. But I've given you a mind, but my spirit needs to renew that mind through writing it on your heart first, and then out of your spirit, your mind will be renewed, Ephesians 3 or 4, 23, 24. So unless we're flowing in the way of heaven, we're outside of it. Did you hear that? You can't enter into life if you're out of the way. And the way is a person, not a principle. So often we try to come into principles instead of the person. We search the scriptures thinking in the scriptures is eternal life. He goes, eternal life is me. And I stand right in front of you, but none of you can hear me. Because you don't know what it is to have your Holy Spirit in you who's going to write it on your heart. So you just hear the physical and walk away unchanged. That's not what it's supposed to be. An encounter with God is to change us. These aren't meetings. This we come to meet with him and one another to be, have the word of God divinely imparted into us. 
Why? So we can know the macro plan that's invisible to those who don't have the spirit, but fully visible to those who do. Isn't that what we're taught? You don't look by, live by this. Don't you live by this? So how are you going with your faith? These are big, big, big questions. Holy Spirit's been given. He says, I speak nothing on my own initiative, but whatever he hears, he speaks. See the importance of hearing? What? Did you hear how important hearing is, not listening? I'm not speaking English today. Are you hearing me in English or through the Spirit? If I was God, this is one thing I would have done. I would have created a language for the spiritual word. Do you know why? So when I speak it like this, yum ba 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 and I'm not talking about tongues. This is just me or my language. Like that. Did you hear what I said? You'd all go. Why? Because you're trying to understand me in the mind. And you can't, can you? So you'd have to know me in the spirit. You'd have to know the word in the spirit to understand. So if the spirit actually had a language, it would actually apprehend all our minds like that because you couldn't enter into it, could you? Do you hear what I'm trying to say, the point I'm trying to make? It would apprehend us all and we'd know how well we know the spirit or not. But see, when you can hear the English, you have a reference for the English. So you try automatically to understand the English and get your reference for God through the English. But God is not English. He's not Maori. He's not black, white, pink. He's spirit. And he speaks a spiritual language. And so he gives you the spirit to understand the language of the spirit, which is not tongues. It's his word that gets imparted through a man or a woman or directly from the spirit into a man or a woman because that man or a woman are one with one another of the spirit because they're journeying out with the spirit being changed by the spirit maturing in the spirit because they've learned the ways of the spirit and so they start sharing the eternal macro plan for God's people which is now even though it's future too many churches only have a purpose for today And it's right to have a purpose for today. But it must be defined by the purpose for the age to come. For it to be a true kingdom purpose. It must be defined by the macro, not the micro. Can you hear me? The early church had revelation of the macro eternal plan of God. And it influenced the way they live their lives now. Any purpose of the church needs to be macro, not micro. We need both, but one defines the other. If you don't have the macro, you're only going to live the micro life. It will be 80 years here. You'll think that's it, and at best it's just heaven, whatever that is, waiting for you. And you'll miss the reality. So many followers don't know what we're about to go through. They may be able to give you a mental yes, but they do not have a revelation of it, which means it's not changing their lives. We are living exactly the same with our mental informational understanding, and that is not in the spirit, that is fleshly. So to say yes to it mentally is not it. It's to say 
absolutely through a conviction of the heart and revelation. I see it, Greg. I have faith. I see the unseen. I see what is not blank. Let me describe it to you. She is incredible. To the measure you're in it, you then share it. Why? So other people can hear it and then get to see it. So then we become one church living for what? One purpose. What do you think that purpose is that Paul talks about? Most I haven't got a clue. If they do, it's the thinking individual purpose. What's my purpose? He's not talking about that. He's saying, what is our purpose, which is macro and micro, and the macro defines the micro. If you can't see it, you don't live for it, so you live by what you look at, and you live beneath the standard I was called you for. I pray you just heard what came out of me in the Spirit. The true hearing of the Word creates repentance. The true hearing of the Word opens your eyes and you go, I see what I was not in. And you turn to the one who can give you. So this is gives you a reference. If you're hearing me, you will be moved to action. You will be moved to action. It may not happen today. It may happen when you're driving down the road. It may happen tonight. It may happen in two weeks. But you are moved and turned to act When you hear the word of God, it's impossible not to, because that's the power of the word. If the word created creation, and your creation, it's not just this. Yeah, I heard that message. That is to hear all of the flesh. I'm sorry, but it is. And we need to know it so we can actually turn and start hearing so we can become the church that Jesus said we can be. Is that cool? So he then says this. He will speak, Holy Spirit, he will disclose to you what is to come. What's to come, guys? Do you know what's to come? We've got a serious birth pang going on in the world right now. Serious birth pang. Do you know what's to come? Now, I'm not even talking about plagues. I'm talking about getting ready for the Messiah. See, that's where the church goes. We go to the plague and we miss the Messiah. No, no, I'm talking about the Messiah. The Messiah is ready to come. Are you ready? He's going to tell you about the things to come. He will glorify me. He will disclose this to me. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, He, the Holy Spirit, takes of mine and will disclose it to who? His church. He will take everything that's in the Son, the Spirit of God, all that you can know. And if you're hungry and thirsty and are prepared to sit at his feet and lose your life and go through what he calls you to go through, exactly like the Son, you will know what the Son knew. You will live as the Son lived. And you will be ready for the Son when he comes. This is not just pray a prayer and get out of hell and then live your life. Come on, that's like kindergarten stuff. The problem is we've shrunk God to a little peeny little crumb and we're trying to all partake of the crumb 
And at best, we're just doing some works thinking that's it. Well done. We fed some orphans and we put some food on a table. Well done, aren't we good? He's going, that's awesome if it's led by me and powered by me. But come on, there's so much more. Can you love another human being like heaven yet? Do you have a joy in you that cannot be robbed because it's me in you? Have you entered into a rest that redefines your entire life? I'm calling you to something that's eternal beyond your humanity. And it takes an arresting word to arrest a church that's really like the world. And it has friendship with the world, even though it thinks it doesn't, but it still loves itself. And the only really difference between the church that loves like the world and the world is that the world isn't covered and the church is. Thank you by your love that's covering a multitude of sin that's still going on in the heart and the mind of the church. But no, we'll point the finger at the world and tell them they haven't got it all together when we don't because we're just as lost as them in relation to what the eternal purpose is. But we don't like to feel that tension. We don't mind them feeling the tension, but we don't want to feel it. And as soon as we do, we justify it all away. Because I need to keep my little comfortable life going called Christianity, which is really churchianity because I'm part of an institution, not Christ. I understand this is going to get me killed by some of one, you. But I have lost my life. And so I share it for you to come alive so we can be one together as a whole family and walk this out. Because we can't be one if you haven't lost your life. I can't be one with Christ if I haven't lost my life. The prerequisite is not give me your life, it's lose your life. If you want to find life, then you've got to lose it for his sake. So you can't even have any bit of you in there for losing it for his sake, for your sake, sorry. See the purity of the whole thing? He responds to a pure cry, not a self-centered cry. And he says, the Spirit of God is here to disclose all. That's why he was sent. But unfortunately, we're institutionalized. It's in us. It's in us, yeah? We say it's this. No, it's us. You know, we we say the world. How, How does the world get polluted? Out of what? The heart of man. The world is a reflection of the heart of man, isn't it? So your life is a reflection of what's in your heart. You get your heart sorted out by giving it all, and you will get sorted out. You see, he took them out of Egypt, but Egypt was still in them. And he took them into a wilderness to get Egypt out of them. Even though they left physically, they were still in it, because it was in them. My thinking is not like yours, Father. So God has to come and kill every aspect of us so we no longer live and then we get born again and start to truly live a brand new life where my will is no longer getting in His way. It's what it really means to have Christ in you. Can I be really honest? That's what it really means to have Christ in you. Your will no longer exists. I 
have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Doesn't mean the man's mind wasn't being renewed. But to truly be in Christ means you are no longer in you. Christ is in the deep recesses of you, which is your will. Not what you do, who you are, who you were born into. That old man through that. Did Paul get on the cross? No. Did he get crucified with Christ? Yes. So I no longer lives when you get crucified by the Christ himself, not through saying yes to words. When the Christ comes into you, the deepest recesses of you, you cease to exist. Your mind still needs to be renewed. Can you hear me? Your emotions still need to be defined by the truth. But your will to live, gone. You are no longer in active opposition to God when he comes and says, this is my word. You go, I may not get it. I may not understand it. But man, I'm excited. It's no longer hard because I'm not resisting what I'm hearing. I died. So I'm going, my mind doesn't get it. But because I've got a brand new spirit called Christ who dwells in me, I get it. I hear it. I know it's for me. Man, it's amazing. It's full. It's powerful. It's for me. Help me understand it now. It's what it means to walk in the Spirit by the power of the Spirit and actually be changed and transformed and matured. Anything less than that ain't it. See, this challenges every form of godliness that we've believed in and taught and lived out. It goes to the core. It goes to the jugular. And it grabs the jugular and goes, I had enough. Mm. And every one of us has to allow that process to happen. But it can only happen through the power of the Spirit. Through a desire of something within a man or a woman that's sick of God, a form of godliness and religiosity and just Groundhog Day stuff. Can anyone hear me? Going through the motions of just stuff and never being changed. No, because you're still living. And so this will only ever be blank. But he wants it full. And we've been chosen and called before the foundations of this earth in this time to be his representation of him on the earth, but only through his way. Guys, we're royalty. But do we live like royalty or are we beggars? Are we victims or victorious? Look, we all come in broken, messed up. I get that. We need to love and cover one another if we can. Not flesh, smack back flesh, because it's two broken people going hammer and tongs. Because we're in him. And then we love on the multitude of just flesh in the hope that flesh will cease and spirit-filled, led, matured people grow. And we become a family, not a business or an organization or an institution, a family who has a father who have brothers and sisters who love like him. That's the church. I don't know what we've been brought up in. That is the church from his perspective. Your lives are no longer your own. That's what Paul said. If it was, I couldn't fulfill my ministry. 
You can't fulfill who you're called to be if your life is still your own. Because you weren't bought for living your own life. That life had to die. And the Holy Spirit wants to show you who you've really been called to be, who you're really called to live as a body and as individuals. But we need Him. So here are some questions. Why are we here? Write these down. Why are you really here on earth? Not at the rock building. Why are you here? Where are we going? Why are we here? Where are we going? What do we have to be, become and do to get there? What do we have to be, become and do to get there? So why are we here? Why did God give you life? I don't know. Well, we need to find out. Why did your mum and dad give you life? Because they wanted to share their lives with you. They wanted you to have fellowship with them. Not that you would just do stuff primarily, but that you would actually love them and they would love you and share and have fellowship, oneness with you. But you know what? They didn't choose you. He chose you. John 1, 11 to 13. Not by human act, by the act of the Spirit of God. He chose us all. Where are we going? Isn't this the question that non-Christians ask? What's your 10-year plan? I said, mate, I've got an eternal one. 10 years, that's nothing. I've got an eternal plan. doesn't start with me either. See, man-made plans God's centered and anchored purpose and plan, eternal, is eternal. Lasts for. And then he says, What do we have to become and be and become and then do, because there is a doing, to get there? If we want to receive all of the eternal macro plan of God, it requires change. Ah, oh, I don't like change. I know, because you're still living. See, people who are still living don't like change, but people who have lost love it. Do you know if you continue to nurture the flesh, it will never die? If you feed your flesh, it will always live, will it not? Not rocket science, is it? So who are we going to be Become and then how are we called to live? So when I get to the judgment seat for the Christians, which is about reward, God can look and go, Wow, son, you learned from me. You were in my way, my truth, and my life, which was you were in my son, and my son was in you. It's not a process to me, it was the personhood of living in and from me. Because me and the Father were one. So if you found me, you found the Father. If you found the Father, you found me. We've taught that as a salvational process to the Father. It's being in Him and Him in you means you become like Him, live like Him. So then all of a sudden, you can live righteously. 
because you've been made right by blood. So those who have been made right by blood live by... Someone yell out and encourage me, we've been teaching it for five weeks. Faith, which is the ability to see the unseen. So if you're righteous because of the blood of the Lamb, then to not live by faith would be to not live as who you really are, would it not? Because you're living by you still. Because you haven't understood and learnt what it is to truly be His and be obedient and come under and live from Him in you. Because you're becoming like the Christ. Didn't Paul say in Galatians 4.19, I, Paul, am in labour again until what? Christ is formed where? In the church, you and I. That means he wants to form his life, build his life in you. He wants you to have his nature. What's the first aspect of God's nature? Okay. If you are in Christ to the measure of maturity, and you're then in what? Love. If you're then in love, can you live love? Listen to this in your notes, Ephesians 6, 24. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. Who are you loving? You're loving God. You're loving Jesus first with an incorruptible love. What's that? Human love? That's heaven's love. How do you get heaven's love in you? So then you can love Christ with heaven's love. You receive it through the losing of you and then the turning and going, oh my goodness, I realize I can't receive and live that out. Here I am, an emptied, broken vessel waiting to be filled with a brand new wine. So now I'm able to do what he says. He's not saying, he's actually just saying it. Grace to all those who love our Lord with 1 Corinthians 13 love. Woo! Anyone hear that? Loving like God. Loving God back. Sounds like the great commandment to me. To which eternal life is associated. Ah, let's ignore the commandment and just do the commission. You heard that one? We're all about the commission. Really? Well, that's cool. So are we, but does the commandment define it? Or do you define it? There is an order for God for everything, and he gives you all. But you must be in the divine order, which is very narrow. But once you find it, it is very wide. It says eternal life. How do I get eternal life? Rich young ruler. Are you tracking with me? How do I get it, Lord? What did God say? What did he say? Nope. Nope. Good try. Thank you for being bold and talking. What did he say? How do I get eternal life? Jesus said, he said, keep the commandments. Which is what? Which you can't do, Chris. 
If you want this eternal, not temporal, guess what? I'm setting you up. You can't. Love me with all your heart. Oh, you can't. (laughs) It's a setup. Why? So you stop trying to live from you. No, I'm going to try. Hadn't he tried? I've done this, 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 and this. And then when Jesus actually confronted him and said, but there's one thing, one thing, you can't. Because you haven't lost your life. It's a setup, guys. Keep the eternal commandments. Well, you need to know the eternal one to keep them. You need to have the eternal one at the innermost core of your being. You cannot be the source of your life as temporal and love like God. You have to die. I don't want to die, Greg. I know that's the problem with the church. It wants to live. It wants to just say, well, Jesus died and rose again, so I don't need to. Amen. Everyone goes, amen, and then the flesh lives, but no one can love. And that's a real problem when he's going to say, what did you do? What did you do when I said love one another? And we go, oh, shoot, we missed it. He goes, yeah, I know you missed it real bad. So I send people. I sent my spirit so you wouldn't. I send them all the time. But you got to hear them. Because they can't open your eyes. Only I can. The Holy Spirit was commissioned by heaven to bring this all to light. Our role is to die. Surrender. You can't have resurrected life if you're still living, church. You can't resurrect a living person, can they? You kill someone. If you take the paddles and they're still living and go, boof, you'll probably kill them, will you not? So you don't give CPR to someone whose heart's beating, you stop. But the heart must be dead to get the CPR. Boom. It's the same in the church. If you want resurrected life, there's a loss. And here's the thing. It's not a loss, but a gain. There is no loss in Christ. All you're losing is you that is dead in sin and iniquity and unable to live an eternal life. The problem is we can't see it, so we don't lose it, which means we hang on to us. But we don't enter into life. And the first functioning commandment that God gives us is what? Thank you. It is not seek lost people. It is not lay hands on the sick. It is not prophesy. It is not look after the orphans and the widows. It is nothing of that. The first work that God says that Jesus fulfilled the entire thing and said the law and the prophets hang on two things. I'm going to make it real simple for you. Two. 613 
into two. Don't lose the simplicity of it, but you can't do it. And the reason why you can't do it is because we need him to do it in us so then we come into the life he has for us. He doesn't make it impossible to ruin your day. He makes it impossible to make your day. But it just depends how we view it all. Sacrifice is not a loss in God. It's a win. So it's a win in the spirit, death in the flesh. Yeah? So then why don't we sacrifice if we know that? Why don't we offer our bodies as living sacrifices, which is our spiritual act of worship, if we say yes to that? Why do we actually resist and reject and deny it? Because until you are opened up to it spiritually, you never will. You can mentally say yes to every principle and then live the opposite. And then not even know you're doing that. So when he comes and turns up and says, right, I heard you wanted to sacrifice your life in view of worship to me. I'm here now to kill you. Oh, no way, man. I didn't realize it was that. Or you don't even recognize it as him. You justify it away by saying it's just about Greg or Anwar or Chris. And it's God going, no, it's me. I'm using that person. It's me in them speaking to you. So don't deny the power and keep your former godliness. Receive the power which kills you and enter into godliness. That's the whole point. But see, the flesh responds in a multitude of ways to the word of God. The first one is it will attack the one who is bringing the word of God. Do we see that in the scriptures? The Pharisees killed the Messiah. Why? Because he brought the word that was going to kill them and bring them life. But they were so ingrained in self and demonic thinking that the demonic killed him. But you can't kill the eternal one. He keeps popping up. And you can't kill one who's in the eternal one because they keep coming back at you. Because they've got something in you that you don't have. So even though you throw sticks and stones and break my bones and all that stuff and you lie, and you have a, they just keep coming at you because they're going to love on you. They're going to love on you and love on you and love on you and love on you and love on you in the hope that you might fall and fail. What? Hey, I've said this. I've done this. I've lied this. I said this. I gossiped about that. I did this. I've agreed. I've disagreed. But how can you still be walking with me? Because there's something in me that's not in you and it wants to get in you. It's called Jesus Christ. Not because I'm, or whoever is a great human being, because I lost my life, got broken, and then refilled with a brand new vase and a brand new wine called Jesus. So the wineskin is the great commandment. If you want to know what the great wineskin is, it's the great commandment. And if you want to know what the new wine is, it's Jesus in you. But I've already got that, really. If you've got that in the reality that God wants that in you, then, Ephesians six twenty four. I would say to you, grace to you, all those who love God with the love of heaven. Well done. If that is your true position today, well done. 
You have figured out with the Holy Spirit what it really is to be in Christ. You've surrendered your life. You've lost your life. And he is doing such a deep work within you that you know that reality. And Paul is speaking to you, not a church that's still waiting to come into that. You cannot claim that as your own. You cannot. That is hypocrisy. If you claim that as your own and can't live it, Isn't that hypocrisy? Right. It's okay to say that's not my reality, though, isn't it? That's authenticity. So it's one thing to stand before God and say, I know that's not my, that's not me. Look, I know it. I can't love like heaven yet. He goes, cool, that's all right. I know you can't. But you want to? Like, do you seriously want to, Greg? But then to go, yeah, that's me. I'll claim that, praise that, memorize that, and then not. And then to genuinely think you are means then you'll become in opposition against the one who is. And so how can there be oneness there? We cannot, guys, we cannot fundamentally claim Paul's words unless you have the man's testimony. The man is not writing theoretical stuff. It's his testimony of the work Jesus Christ is doing within him. So you can't sit there and go, I'm in that, I'm in that, I'm in that, I'm in that, unless you have gone through the way of Paul. Unless you actually have the testimony of Paul, you can't claim what Paul writes. You have the potential for it, but you can't say, I'm in it. If you're in it, then live it. Can you hear me? This is why Jesus was killed, because he spoke like this. He said, there's no gap between what I say and who I am. And you don't like that because I speak in absolutes and it shows you up. But that's okay. So it's okay that we're not fully in this. It's not okay to admit you are and then not live it. That's hypocrisy and ain't about hypocrisy. Because if you're going to tell me you have the mind of Christ, then you will be telling me what my picture is. Because that's been going out for 11 years. This is not starting. This started April the 20th, 2010. I started painting that picture 11 years ago. It's a long time, eh? So none of this is new. Have you heard and seen it? Now that might be the question. So it's not you, it's are you in what's in him? And it's okay not to be, but we've been created to be. But what it's not okay to be is to profess and claim it is and not be. Why? Because one, that's really going to, you'll misrepresent God. Number one, okay, you'll be a misrepresentation as an ambassadorship, which ain't great. Two, you also won't be in the life you're called to be in. And three, we won't be the church we're called to be. And each of those glorify the Father, do they not? Isn't that what it's all about, glorifying the Father? Not about self-glory? So then it's all about glorifying the Father and we've all got to lose our lives. Can we do that, please? Can we all sign a form or something and say, yeah, I'm signing up today to lose my life? Yes, Lord. By trust. 
And then you let him when he comes, because he's going to come. I'm going to stop there. So there are going to be questions on there. And at the table, we're going to ask those questions. So this is where it becomes about participation, not just spectatorship. And so we're all in this together. There's no pressure. No one has to have all the answers. It's just someone, select someone to go, I'm going to ask the questions. And then dialogue about that. Is that cool? All right. And I'll be wandering around just to help, okay?